Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Vessalatu vesselamu ala seyyidina Muhammed ve ala alihi ve sahbihi ve baraka ve selleme teslimen kathiran ila yevmiddin. Amma ba'd. In the continuation of these lessons of Ibn Ata'illah al-Iskandari's Kitabul Hikam, the Book of Wisdoms, the next aphorism uh, we're going to cover is number 235 on page 207. Ibn Ata'illah says, إِنَّمَا أَجْرَ الْأَذَى عَلَىٰ أَيْدِيهِمْ كَيْ لَا تَكُونَ سَاكِنًا إِلَيْهِمْ أَرَادَ أَنْ يُزْعِجَكَ مِنْ كُلِّ شَيْءٍ حَتَّى لَا يَشْغَلَكَ عَنْهُ شَيْءٍ It's quite a really simple but very important idea. He only made affliction come at the hands of people so that you not repose in them. He only allowed difficulties and afflictions to come to you from other people, sometimes the closest people to us, just so that you don't get too comfortable with them. You don't repose in them, but rather in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. He wanted to drive you out of everything so that nothing would divert you from Him. He wanted to drive you out of everything so that nothing would divert you from Him. So before we start looking at this in a bit more depth, what's going on here is that, look, difficulties are part and parcel of this world. This world is full of change and difficulty. And if you look around, whether that be in the crops, whether that be in the land or whatever, sometimes good things happen, sometimes bad things happen. Sometimes crops, there's a good season, other times there's a bad season. So just like with everything else, whether that be natural growth of plants and trees and products, trees, sometimes, mashallah, you have these wonderful trees, they provide a lot of fruit and everything and shade. But then other times you actually have trees that are struck and afflicted by disease. There's the elm tree in the UK, which, is, uh, which has a, a problem right now, among other trees as well. So likewise with everything else in this world, you have a car, it goes very well, suddenly it breaks sometimes, has a bit of an issue. So the humans are just like the same thing. You just can never have a perfection in this world. It's not designed for it. There's just no way to have perfection in this world. So difficulties come. Now it's about how we react to that difficulty that really matters. Because that is upon which the satisfaction, contentment, depends on in this life for a lot of people. You know, when people are depressed or when people are not comfortable with something, when they're sad about something, when they have a grief about something, when they're finding a lot of stress, what is that? Where is that stress coming from? It's because there's instability. Something different has happened. Something not what they wanted. Why else would you get it? If everything's perfect, there's very few people who get stressed by that. But generally the stress comes because of difficulty and change, alteration, unexpected happenings, surprises. But should any of that be a surprise? Well, I guess some things can be a surprise. But when the way to manage this, as any therapist will tell you, is about managing through expectation through understanding what it's all about, why things happen. 
And Islamically, we have got a, a beautiful understanding. Our whole faith is based on the ghayb, on the unseen. And this is all unseen. This is exactly part of life. This is part of faith. Our faith is based on the unseen. And this is all part of the unseen, in a sense. Because Allah is the one who's plan, planning all of this, and we don't know. So the first thing is to just get an understanding that this all happens from Allah. It's the nature of the world. It's inevitable it's going to happen. But we're going to ask Allah for as less as possible of that, so that we have more afiyat. I don't think you can escape it entirely, calamities. Number two, what he's telling us now here is a wisdom of why things happen. Subhanallah. When you know that there's a teacher of yours, for example, I pick on the students who I know are very good, but they've got a little flaw, a little issue, so I pick on them more. If I go to a masjid to pray salat, and I listen to the imam, and he's got lots of tajweed mistakes, I, 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 I don't have time to, because how can you correct so much in a quick meeting? You go to another town, another masjid. If it's your local imam, it's something else, but if it's somewhere else, you go and mashallah, you know, he's making so many mistakes. Inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. Now, what are you going to say to him? You just pray for him. Because it's difficult to go and say, brother, correct your tajweed. So we hope that they will. However, I go to some masjids and the imam, mashallah, has good reading. He's just making a silly mistake somewhere or an oversight in something. There, I think that there's worth telling them something. So I, if I get a chance, I'll tell them, look, brother, I really enjoy it. Sheikh, I really enjoyed your reading. You know, there's just this one or two things. If you correct that, it'll be like really flawless. Likewise, students. That's why we tell our children off. If our children could just understand, can you imagine? We get it, but did we get it when we were children being told off? If our children can just know from the age of five and six that it's actually for my good they're telling me. They're not really against me. They're not just being tight. They're not just being overly strict. It's actually they want good for me. That would suddenly become easy, wouldn't it, on that child? Can you imagine it? Then children are like, oh yeah, 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 alhamdulillah, no problem, I'll sort it out. So, but even we become adults and we just don't understand that with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's the same thing, we're always children in front of Allah, like children in front of Allah. But when it comes to children, you know, when they start realizing, it's a bit, you know, then they're like 20 years old. You know, hopefully they'll realize before that. It's the same kind of thing. He's telling us something which we as children, like children in front of Allah, it would be like our children would understand. This is the same thing he's saying. So this is what he's saying. He's saying, he only made affliction come to you at the hands of people so that you would not get too comfortable and repose with them. But rather, Allah wants to drive you out of everything so that nothing will divert you from him, which means that Allah wants you to go to him. So when you have difficulties from people, especially from people that you've trusted, that's the worst ones. What hurts you the most? Some enemy who's, okay, I understand that. At least psychologically, it might be hurtful. They physically do something to you. They've done you a monetary harm, a major economical harm or something of that nature. It's going to be hurtful in that sense. But... If you know, well, what do I expect from that person? At least that hurt doesn't hurt. But when it happens from your own people who you trusted, suddenly that hurt just increases. Oh, he was part of it as well. That's what beats me like, I just don't know how to 
forgive that. I just, I, I just can't get my head around it, they say. So Allah is saying, Allah, Allah gives us difficulties through people sometimes. Not all the time. Don't expect that all your close ones are going to suddenly become unfaithful to you. But it can happen. And that's up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because he doesn't want you to be comfortable with anyone except him. And if you are comfortable with anybody, it must be for his reason, for his sake. So it's not like you can't be comfortable with your parents and with your spouse and children, whoever. You can be. But you have to realize Allah is the one in charge of everything. So you do it for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's all he's saying. He's just saying that he's going to make difficulties come from your very own sometimes because that's his way of doing it. Now people are going to react in multiple ways. Some people are going to cause a huge family feud. Some people are going to get so depressed that they don't even know what to do next. They just don't know where to go with this. And that's the difficulty. When you know Allah more, you just become calmer in life. Because it's like you understand how the world works. There's two people. One knows the teacher that they do get mock angry and they get mock infuriated and they tell them off. So there's two students, they both made a mistake, but one knows that, been with them for a very long time. And the other one doesn't. Oh, one's going to get really depressed. They might break down, I've seen that happen. The other one's like, Please forgive me, I know the way to deal with this. Like, you know, I, don't worry, next time it'll be fine. What Ibn Ata'illah is saying is that the ruh of a human being, when he gets too comfortable with anything of this world, that's bad for it. Because the comforts, this world is temporary, so you can't get too comfortable with it. We can only be comforted by the next world because that's permanent. So we can't be comfortable in this world too comfortable with it, in the sense that you just feel secure, too secure, and you start to love everything in it too much to take it into your heart. Then what happens is that that's just going to make it difficult for you to get to the next world, to even focus on it. Because if you love this world too much, then why would you focus on the next world? If you love this world for the sake of the next world, then that's fine. I mean, you must love this world. Because if we weren't given a chance to be here, what would we be doing? What would we get in the hereafter? So you can love it for that reason. Alhamdulillah, Allah has given me this world so that I can build for the hereafter. That's one way to understand this world. So it's not like you're saying, hate this world. It's just hate to put it in your heart because that's not where it should be. But you need to get by in this world as well. So the alam ruhani is what the ruh needs, which means the world, the, the world of the souls, where eventually we all end up going, which is the hereafter. That's the real world for our souls, because that's where they will remain forever. That's where we came from. We came from Alamul Arwah. We're going to go back to another world. This place, we're just here for a short while, so it doesn't want us to get comfortable here. So it's part of the hikmat of Allah, the wisdom of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And actually it's kindness. Because he knows the future, that's why. He knows if I let you indulge right now, you're not going to know anything. You're not going to be prepared. So can you see how it becomes kindness? Like, how is that kindness? Well, it's kindness when you look at the future. And we must be people of the future, not just of today. 
Because that's never benefited anybody. Why should we people of tomorrow? Because that's where we're going to go. Well, why are we going to go there? Well, because that's what Allah has written and that's where everybody goes. We can't help it. We're in that system. So it's actually Allah's lutf and His kindness that He's, made, he's letting that happen. But it's only His kindness when He lets that happen and we understand this. Because for those people who shriek and freak out and get even more depressed, then that means the reason that happens, they don't know Allah. That's really the simple thing. They just don't know Allah. Or they're not willing to accept it. Most of the time it's just jihad. I mean, how many people would know this idea? This is a deep idea. How many people would know this? You can only know this when you love someone and you know they love them. Then you know that everything that comes from that beloved must be for good cause. That means there's an absence of love for Allah. That's why we don't know. That's why when things like that happen, we think Allah has just forsaken us. So that's Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's kindness for his awliya, for his wali, for his friends, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just disturbs things that they may get too attached to. So that they don't get attached to them, so he disturbs those things. So they don't, you don't feel like you can rely on that. I'll give you an example. You're looking to buy a house. Right? You're looking to buy a house. And you, know, you put your emotion in there because, I mean, why else would you buy a house? You're not buying houses every day, are you? And especially in London, when they're expensive, it's a big investment. So you're really going to figure out what you want. And then after that, you're going to get emotionally attached. You're going to look at the neighborhood. You're going to look at the potentials of that house. You're going to look at all of that. Now, all of that creates emotion. Now, you really put your heart in there. And then suddenly you lose it because somebody else bids you, overbids you. And you know, how far are you going to go? Like, you know, you only have a certain amount of money. So then you feel really, really, really let down. You get angry at, the per- at that other person, but there's no- what are you going to do? You don't even know who the other bidder is. You know? Maybe you want to stand outside the house and find out who he is and beat him up. Like, la hawla wa la illa billah. You know, what are you, you going to do? Are you going to get angry on the agent? Sometimes, subhanAllah, the agents are playing games. They take bribes from, from uh, you know, one buyer or whatever it is, and they'll just make sure that they talk to the owner in a way that that person will get it because he's going to make, the agent is going to make, subhanAllah, bribes, 5,000 pounds in the process or 10,000 pounds in the process, depending on the price. Yeah, I mean, I can see you can get angry with all of that, but it's not worth it. It's not worth getting angry. Just going to trouble yourself because you can't do anything. So the next time you make sure you're the highest buyer, and then what happens is that the owner decides not to sell. Now who are you going to get angry on? The owner? You let us, you put it on the market, you've had it on for three months, and then you pulled out afterwards? Who are you going to get angry on? Is it worth getting angry? What are you going to get out of it? Wasting time? You've got to go and find another house. Eventually you're like, man, Allah, just give me wherever is good. So the next time you're looking, so the next time what happens is, that first house you lost, suddenly it comes back to you. Because the guy who overbid you, he eventually didn't buy it. So the owner comes back to you, even though he let you down the first time. So now, you're more cautious. You're not going to put your heart and emotion in it, because you've learned a lesson. Hopefully. So now you're like, okay, I'm going to leave it to Allah, I'm going to do everything. Now, leaving it to Allah does not mean that 
yeah, if it comes, I'll, you know, I'm not going to do much about it. No, you have to make an effort. But psychologically and emotionally, you're not attached. Until you get it. Well, even then you shouldn't be attached. If you know what I mean. You need to personalize it. You need to make it yours. But then you don't want to become attached to the dunya too much. You can enjoy it. That's fine. But you must know that Allah is giving it to me. So now what you do is you just take it easy. To be honest, when you're like that, you're in a better bargaining position. The best bargainers are those who are willing to walk away. So even from that perspective, you're better off. And you're like, whenever Allah gives it to me, and whichever one Allah gives, because you're doing istikhara now as well, properly. You can do istikhara, but you're still too, you know, the first time you was doing istikhara, you're still too emotionally attached. But now, no. Because you've realized after two losses that that's what it is, I can't. So let me now just leave it to Allah and inshallah when I do get the right one, it will be the best one. And you'll start seeing the wisdoms afterwards. Same thing with cars, same thing with anything. Just have to leave it to Allah. But you have to do your best. Right? A lot of people mistake, they must just sit back and do nothing. No, you have to do your best. You have to make lots of dua, you have to do everything that the world demands from you except haram stuff like don't give bribes. Right? And Allah will create a way for you eventually when it's right and the thing will be right, inshaAllah. So that's what he's saying. Allah doesn't want you. He wants you to turn to Him. That's it. He wants you to turn to Him. And then when you do turn to Him, you just get more anyway. Because Allah gives great, greater things. So then he actually says that those people who get really close to Allah, they will actually find difficulty coming from their own people. I fear that. It's like you want to be close to Allah, but you don't want to go through difficulty. So that's why Allah gives us closeness to you with afiyat, with well-being. So anyway, when a person starts realizing this, hopefully sooner than later, his ruh, his soul will never depend on this world. He will use this world and everything, but he'll be much more detached. So we're in the world, but we're detached. You know, all of these people who are successful uh, in deen, the, all they've done is they've detached themselves, but they're in the world, but they've detached themselves in the heart. So it's in their hands, they're working in the world, they're doing things in the world, but their heart is detached, their heart is for Allah. So when a person gets really tight, constrained with all of these things, and like, I can't, where else are you say you're going to turn? You're going to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're going to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When that happens so many times, you just will do this for the rest of your life. It won't be just for that particular thing. It'll be for the rest of your life in everything that you do, you'll be focused on Allah. And then you'll become very successful about it. The problem is that if the nafs otherwise stays too satisfied with the dunya, with its glory and everything else, then it's just never going to be able to prepare for the other world, prepare to meet Allah. And that is just difficult. So, you know, when awliya, you, you read the story of awliya, you read the story of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. It's the same thing. His whole life was like that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he causes turbulence in everything so that you don't become dependent on that thing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't want anything to distract you from him. Because it is absolutely impossible that you witness others along with Allah. 
You should only witness Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You should only see Him behind everything, nothing else. Yeah, you see others, but they're all because of Allah. Allah is the one who pulls every string. There's no way that you can love Allah and love others independently. Yes, you can love others for the sake of Allah. Allah just refuses that you can love anybody along with Him for the sake of themselves. Yani. Now, the interesting thing is that once Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does the tarbiyah, He purifies a person, connects him to Himself, then after that, the person can be with everyone and it won't make a difference, but he'll be with everybody. That's why it mentions uh, in an, one of the author's other books that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you suddenly get to this realization, then what happens is that you actually free yourself from the slavery to others. What that means is that generally what happens is that when somebody does you a good deed, a good turn, you feel like you owe them. And that's the nature of the world that you do owe people. And Islam wants you to reciprocate in the right way as well. But the Prophet ﷺ said this, Man asta ilaykum ma'roofan Whoever does you a good turn, lends you money, uh, feeds you, assists you, guides you, consult, gives you a consultation, whatever it may be, then فَكَافِئُوهُ Repay him. Reciprocate. Do a good turn back to him. فَإِن لَمْ تَقْدِرُوا Like if you've got no way to do that, no ability to do that with giving him something, giving them something back, then فَدْعُوا لَهُ Then at least make dua for them. Because what that does is that will at least take your heart away from this feeling of obligation. So you need to do something for them, but then do it. Do that and get out of it. So that way you don't feel, and there's some people I know, you give them a gift, they'll always give you something back. So it's never like, I've got one on him. Right? That's the best attitude. Sheikh Abul Hassan said to such a degree, now this might be difficult for a lot of us to understand, but put in this perspective, he says, flee from better people, good people, people who do you good, flee from them even more than you flee from bad people. Like, why man? I want to be with good people. It doesn't mean run away from them. Basically means that be much more careful there because you don't want to become slaves to goodness. Just Because he says that their goodness and their good, their good will afflict you in your heart. Whereas the other people, their evil will afflict you on your, in your body if that's what they're doing. And it's worse what you get struck by in the heart if it's the wrong thing especially if it's a bad if, if it's a bad person and if it's bad company then that's really really bad because then it's going to take you to evil it's, not, it's, it's, it's a level beyond this and he's saying that an enemy which actually connects you to Allah forces you to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is superior than, a, that, than a, a friend that will sever you from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's why you know when you have good friends, mashallah, and they do good for you, thank Allah. You just have to recognize coming from Allah, not from them. Allah is making them do that. We do need to reciprocate. But at the end of the day, it's Allah who's doing that. So that way, that doesn't become harmful anymore. So he's not trying to say that don't take any good favors from anyone unless you've got tawakkul like Ibrahim or something. But at least realize that it's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah has sent that person. Shukr to Allah. It's just part of your shukr process. It's actually, they say that um, 
when a person really gets serious about connecting to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, initially they're going to have, they're possibly going to have a lot of difficulties. Potentially they're going to have to grapple with a number of issues when they first get very serious about this. Because Allah is purifying them. He needs to upset them first. You know, when you first start training, it's much more difficult until you get used to it. Then you know exactly what you're doing. But initially it's much more difficult to start running you know, to start lifting or whatever it is that a person is doing. That's, that's kind of a similar idea here. And we understand this from a verse in the Quran. In Surah Al-Baqarah, verse 214, Allah says, They were shaken. They were set upon with turbulence until the messenger and those who believe with him said, when is the assistance of Allah going to come. This is all part of that. Allah inna nasrallahi qareeb. That the victory from Allah, the assistance from Allah is very, very close. So the difficulties generally bring about goodness afterwards. Difficulties are generally followed by an opening because night is followed by day. Winters are followed by spring and summer. It's generally what happens. There's a period. Now, you don't want to get into summer, miserable. You want to enjoy it when it comes. So that's why uh, some people, when they just, I just can't believe it, when some people have difficulties, they just start complaining about Allah. The, the, the only answer I have for that is really, you need to understand who Allah is. You've not. And then they say, oh, my, my faith is shaken. My faith is shaking. Oh, my, my faith is becoming weak. Well, it's wants to force you to get to know Allah better, that's, how, that, that's what this world is all about, to get to know Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Some have said that, you know, when an enemy does something to you, that's actually nasiha. It's like a whip from Allah. It's like an advice that Allah has used this enemy to give us. Uh, Shaykh Abul Hassan says that once uh, I was troubled by somebody, he insulted me or something like that, and I felt really bad about it. Like, it was really a big affront to me. I felt really bad about it. I have slept. And in my dream, I see somebody telling me that, look, if you want to be Siddiq, if you want to get to the maqam of Siddiqiyah, which we discussed, that's the highest maqam before you can be, you know, before a prophecy. You can't become prophet, but the closest you can get to the, the last highest level, uh, which is a kind of an endless level, is uh, Siddiqiyah. Absolute truthfulness with Allah. If you want to get to that, you're gonna, you could have a lot of enemies. You have to just learn to ignore it all for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So what we understand now is that when you look at the lives and you read the biographies of the great people, you'll find that a lot of them had difficulty. Right? So that means this, that is the sunnatullahi fil ard. That is Allah's sunnah. That is Allah's way in this world. فَلَن تَجِدَ لِسُنَّةِ tabdila. As Allah says in Surah Al-Fatir, you're never going to find the way of Allah to change. The, the method that Allah uses in this world is constantly going to be the same. That's why learning history, reading history is extremely useful because that's what Allah does. It's just gone through cycles. Very useful. Those who don't know history, they're very depressed today with the situation that's happening. Uh, Masjid Laqsa. We actually lost Masjid Laksa for 90-something years. I just gave a, gave a lecture about this in, in Oxford yesterday. We lost Aqsa itself for 90-something years, 90, 91 years. 
We still have it. It's, you know, there's problems there, but we still have it at least. There we actually lost it till Salahuddin rahimahullah came and took it back. So we've had worse than what we're having today. Today is not the worst that we're going through. That's why I'm very optimistic that things will be better. There's a lot of signs of goodness in the world, of things being better than 50 years ago. There's some things which are messed up more, but there's a lot of good stuff. I mean, just take the example of Turkey, how messed up that was 50 years ago. Totally secular. Now look at where it is. And a number of other places. It's the same kind of thing. Uzbekistan, look at where that was 50 years ago. Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, all of these areas. I have hope. I've got a lot of hope. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that a reality. If you look at the Prophet's life, the best example that we have, we can't be any better than the Prophet. Like, that's impossible. The Prophet, look at what he first received at the hands of the Quraysh in Mecca after he proclaimed the truth. And the Banu Wa'il. After that, he stayed there for 13 years. His Meccan life is 13 years of difficulty. I don't know if you ever have a day of comfort, day of calmness in there. There was difficulty after difficulty after difficulty. 13 years of it. Then after that, the Prophet ﷺ went to Medina Munawwara. Thought that would be, people thought that would be easier. It was easier in a sense. But there was still difficulty. War after war now. There were no wars in Mecca. But now there were battles, people coming to attack. Not just that. It wasn't just war and um, fighting. There was the enmity that was shown by the other tribes there. The Yahud tribes, for example. Um, betrayal. Uh, other instigations. The munafiqeen. The hypocrites. That's probably worse than a, than a war, than a battle. You know, the constant turbulence. No stability. Until finally, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, Allah, he went to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Likewise, after that, it was his sahaba, same kind of thing. For a while, until eventually Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave them great glory. But then we still had issues throughout. We had uh, Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anh, they say that he was actually killed also by poison. When he eventually died, said that there was a poison that had influenced him. Uh, Umar Farooq radiallahu anh, Amir al-Mu'mineen, he died by being assassinated, by being stabbed. In the Fajr prayer, Uthman radiallahu anhu was definitely martyred in his home while, while praying, while reading the Quran. Ali radiallahu anhu, he had four years of extreme difficulty. Ay, subhanallah. Subhanallah. All the others had some glorious period within their time. Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu was what, what helped to stabilize the situation. Ali radiallahu anhu inherited a turbulent situation. And it just became more turbulent. And finally, he was also killed. Eventually, his son, Hassan and Hussein, they both died. Hussein was killed as well. Today, we would have said he was gunned down. Like literally, you know, the way he was, he was martyred. They played about with his head in Sham. So he wasn't even dignified after his death in that sense. Until finally, he's killed in Sham, in Syria. And then eventually his head is buried in Egypt, in Cairo. That whole area is called Hussein now because there's a big masjid there. That's where he's buried now. That's where his head is at least. 
Then if you look at a number of other stories which you don't have time for, inshallah, in the next one, some of those who are known to be awliyaullah like Junaid al-Baghdadi and a number of others and what happened with them, inshallah, we'll recount some of those stories in the next session. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for everyone. It was difficult. Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal, Imam Malik, a number of them, it wasn't easy for them. Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah, finally passed away in, uh, in the jail, in prison. So there's numerous stories like that. Um, the, what the only thing, if there was no hereafter, this would be so miserable. If there was nothing to look for, that for all of this, we're going to get a reward. For hatta shawkatan yushakuha. Even a thorn, you're going to be rewarded for taking the pain of that. That's Islam. Even a thorn. You're just going and you get a little, you know, scrape. That's a thorn of today, right? A scrape from a wall, right? Because you don't go in plants as much today. Even that you get reward for. You say, Inna lillahi wa la hawla wa la You get reward for that. Now imagine if we didn't have that philosophy, that belief, and there was no hereafter. Imagine how many miserable people there would be in the world. There's a lot of miserable people in the world. But at least the Muslims among them, subhanAllah, you know the, those in Palestine, those in other poor, people, poor places like Rohingya and that, you see the faith, like their difficulty that they're going through and they still stand up proud because they've really realized this. Right? Do we want it that we get difficulty then we realize it? So then our life may become difficult before it becomes better. So imagine anybody who doesn't have that belief system, they're going to be extremely miserable. That's why believers are supposed to be those people who have better lives. Because we know that this is the temporary life and there's a life to come which is supposed to be the main life. Just a... You know, you, you're visiting somewhere, you have to be somewhere for a business trip and you just don't enjoy it. You know when you know that you're going to eventually go back to your home. It just makes it easier. But if you have to stay there forever, subhanAllah. Allah make it easy for us. Allah make it easy for us and grant us the understanding that will help us to make this even further easy and correct our understanding. يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأقرمين ويا خير المسؤولين ويا خير المؤتين ويا ذا الجلال والإكرام اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا واهدنا وارزقنا اللهم اهدنا واهدبنا واجعلنا هداة لمن اهتدى اللهم اغفر لأمة سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم اللهم اغفر للمسلمين والمسلمات والمؤمنين والمؤمنات الأحياء منهم والأموات اللهم اغفر لموتانا المسلمين الذين شهدونك بالوحدانية وماتوا على ذلك اللهم إنك عفو كريم تحب العفو فاعف عنا يا كريم يا الله we ask you for your forgiveness oh Allah oh Allah grant us your forgiveness grant us your clemency your forbearance your generosity we ask you from your generosity we ask you to grant us from your boundless and endless treasures oh Allah for us it's difficult. O oh Allah, for you, it's a simple decision. O oh Allah, make it easy for us. O oh Allah, grant us afia. You have given us so much, more than so many others. O oh Allah, we thank you for this. O oh Allah, do not ever make us, allow us to be ungrateful. O oh Allah, remove ingratitude from us. O oh Allah, remove the negligence from us. 
remove the inattentiveness from us. Oh Allah, allow us to be attentive to you, to be focused, to be... Oh Allah, grant us your love and the love of those whose love will benefit us in your court. Oh Allah, remove the persecution that we see around us, around the world. Oh Allah, grant them respite. And oh Allah, we ask that you allow us to see much, much better days. Oh Allah, to protect us from the fitna which are outside. Make us instrumental in removing the fitness in... Uh, oh Allah, make us instrumental in removing them, in showing people the better way, in showing the people the reality of these matters. Oh Allah, do not allow us to indulge and to be caught up in the fitnas which are outside, in the challenges which are outside. Oh Allah, we ask that you turn us towards you. You grant us your love. Oh Allah, make us yours. Ya Allah, make us yours. Ya Allah, make us yours. Oh Allah, make us proud of our faith. Make us, allow us to find repose in our faith. Allow us to find comfort in our faith. Oh Allah, Protect us from doubts, protect us from uncertainty, protect us from our hearts being turned away after you have given us guidance. O oh Allah, bless all those who are listening. O oh Allah, grant them much, much better lives. Grant, remove the difficulties that they may be facing. O oh Allah, remove all of our difficulties. Make the path easy for us. Make all of these journeys we have ahead of us to Jannah, to Paradise, make it easy for us. We believe in you, so we expect and hope for the best in you. Oh Allah, we know you do the best for, all, for us all. Do not, un, do not let us misunderstand you. Allow us to understand what you're doing. Do not allow us to be like children who are totally sometimes negligent and ignorant about what's happening. Oh Allah, make us among the ones who are aware, those who have ma'rifah. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. Oh Allah, accept our du'as. سبحان ربك رب العزة عما يصفون وسلام على المرسلين والحمد لله رب العالمين وحمدك يا رحمن جزاك الله خير for listening may Allah subhanahu wa taala bless you and if you're finding this useful you know as they say do that like button and subscribe button and forward it on to others جزاك الله خير والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته